To enjoy this and other great episodes on Patreon, check out the link in the description and subscribe via the Black Kluge tier for full access to over 100 exclusive episodes. For those of you who would like some QF swag on TeePublic t-shirts, magnets, mugs, what have you, also click on the link in the description. I have zero, um, I have zero inbox. Do you know that? We do another contract here. Let's do a three-hour show. What? We should be done right now. Well, you're having this negotiation with me. That's the only problem. Well, who am I supposed to negotiate with? <laughs> Fred? And uh, the one thing I don't respond well to is humiliation. I don't respond well to it at all. You know, I don't want to be told what a shithead I am. I don't want to be, you know, this, those days are over. I've, I've suffered enough in this business. I don't need to, to find out what a shithead I am. Are you ready for this? You cut your hair, man. What yeah. do you do? What's going on? I'm getting old. So What's what? Going? I can't keep it like yours. You know, I'm old too. So what? Yeah, but you're ugly. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Jesus. What are you saying? I need the hair? You need it. No, I Well, you need it. Well, you know, it's just interesting when people have their kids on the air. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if a kid was a fuck-up, you just keep them quiet. I put my kids on the air more, but they, they want no part of it. When you're trying to just have a friendly conversation, when he's irritable, the things you do every day become the wrong thing to do. That's true. He doesn't listen. That's right. But the most irritating thing of all is that we used to be good friends, and we just aren't anymore. I still love him, but he says everybody's expendable, and I just have to live with that. I was going to look for a Nikki Hilton. Wait, you, but you see, those good-looking rich, rich girls, they don't go for a guy like me because they don't need my money. And Rickles tells me this story, so Beth says to Don Rickles, Gee, I wonder what they say about me. <laughs> Don Rickles goes, You! <laughs> No one cares about you. You don't even know that important. No one says anything about you. No one. No one talks about you. I don't you're even not, know you. You're not that big. I do have to ask, do you think there's a physical match between him and Beth? Do you? Because they're both tall and have ten fingers. Yeah, they look right together. <laughs> I don't know, they look more right together now. It was just on the regular show. <laughs> it just occurred to me that I listened Like, who get, like, I, uh, it dawned on me, like, two days ago. Who's a, like, my hair's going to get crazy because yeah. I don't have, like, a, I'm not going to get a haircut. And then Beth goes, I'll cut your hair. But you can't cut my hair because my my hair is curly. It's a, you need, It's you, hard to cut your hair. Welcome, ladies and gents, to QF, a podcast about Howard Stern. I'm your host, Fillmore, a.k.a. Jim Fix. And with me, back again into the saddle, is Mr. Ben and uh, Miss Sam. How are you guys? Doing great. Sorry, I couldn't <laughs> see you on the screen. I didn't know if you were about to talk. I had something else open. I was being the courteous one because you're the guest. So I was like, I'm going to let Ben say something first. Of Sorry, course. I was searching for something in another window. I'm excited because Ben's here. <laughs> oh, well, it's good. Because good to see you again. Good. Yeah, I'm sorry it's been so long, uh, guys, because uh, episodes just get in the way. We were piled up, actually, after the summer. Um, but we got cold for this is cold for uh, chapter 11, if you're keeping track. And those of you in the book who have them in your hands, page 16, God forbid, uh, like Ronnie might say, page 69. Oh. Uh, and this is chapter eight. I believe we're going to we're still in D.C. 101. Uh, there's going to be some talk about Robin again, and uh, Petey Green's going to make an appearance on this show if we get long, if we if we get through enough clips. So the first clip is just called Think Tank. The cast of the show also included the Think Tank, 
a changing trio of local men Howard gathered from time to time to converse with him and play along with quizzes and gags. Howard invited listeners to phone in the answers to rock and roll and TV trivia questions. Part of the show's insanity came in the form of dim-witted responses. The correct answer allowed the listener to pose a question to the think tank. Harry Cole, a communications lawyer, used to dial between stations while driving to his Washington office. One morning, he stayed with Howard's show, amused by the three normal bozos schmoozing with the host. It was a very funny bit, he recalled, and he wanted to participate. Uh, the the next bit of uh, information there is just minutia. We don't we don't go through this. It's just talking about uh, an example of a question that they gave. Uh, the next clip is called "Cast of the Think Tank." The think tank became an increasingly cohesive unit, supplying ideas, trivia questions, and roundtable voices. Besides Cole, the unpaid trio came to include Steve Kiger, the manager of a record store, and Steve Chaconis a salesman who had a knack for impersonations and often let out an infectious cackle that made a hyena sound shy. Now, there's two things about that clip that made me laugh. Number one, unpaid. <laughs> well, of course, <laughs> which, yeah. Which carries to this day, obviously. I and, and back then, it would have made more sense to have been an underfunded radio show and bring in whoever you want. And, and the novelty for people being, hey, I'm going to be on the radio? Sure. And you, you would disregard thinking about, oh, I should be getting paid for this because you're helping out a friend. Uh, you're, they're starting out, you're helping them. I, I get that, but it, you know, it, it, it falls in line with Howard's MO the most of his, most of his career. Well, I think getting paid for radio, you know, that just became, that just started becoming a thing because it's now every, nobody cares really anymore. But back then you were just excited for, Oh, Hey, listen to me. I'm going to be on at this time or something. It was just part of the entertainment well, business well there were radio hosts that made good money there's no question at hosts, that time i mean it, it not... was an established medium but but uh but uh, people that are coming on and add-ons or or even station employees that would have been more common and so, like the way billy west was used in the in the glory days of stern he'd be on all kinds of shows as an employee of the station but not necessarily the show uh howard didn't you know these these guys coming in and the other thing was um, Chaconis, who this this part is not added. Chaconis, who also did stand up comedy in local clubs, gained admission to the think tank after phoning in a deft impersonation of Curly during a Three Stooges segment. Uh, mm. During invited to the studio, he invited he showed up with a Stooges script that he had written, playing Curly to Coward's Mo. Other voices in Chaconis's repertoire uh, uh, allowed him to do multiple roles in spoofs of the Match Game, the television show. Uh, back then, Howard still played a lot of records, maybe five or six an hour, and there were all the commercials too. Um, there was a lot of time during his show to, to brainstorm ideas about what to do next, and, and it was not unusual for us to go out and eat and talk some more. So a stand-up comic, or a guy who was dabbling in stand-up comedy and doing impersonations, predating like you know what would end up being billy and artie and um and then uh the, it's it's i just found it funny that that became the format but now that's been totally disregarded by howard first of all yeah. i want to hear howard's mo and <laughs> i also kind of find it interesting that they went see howard was more social even back then like you could see that i mean now he's just an isolated queen but mm -hmm. go ahead ben yeah, this it's hard because they don't always give years, but this was 1981 and it's yeah. not coincidental 
that Howard went with this format this year because 1981 is the year that the morning zoo was invented. It was um, Scott Shannon who later on went to New York and competed against Howard, but uh, began, I'm going to read this from Wikipedia. The first morning zoo program focusing on the zany interactions of two hosts was conceived and performed in 1981 by Scott Shannon and Cleveland Wheeler in Tampa, Florida in Q105. Um, the two decided to break with tradition and work up a wilder show together founded on their own playful, irreverent, and provocative interaction and spontaneous bits of parody and comedy leavened with straight news. They called the show the Q Morning Zoo, and it quickly became a hit. At its height, it had 85 people working to produce it. So Howard didn't have that kind of budget. You know, he's got three people working for free. But I guarantee you the student of radio as he calls himself, was aware that the new thing that was making a big wave was morning zoo. And, you know, as much as Howard has bashed morning zoos, that's what he's been doing ever since 1981. Um, he's been doing a more adult version of it, um, you know, working in more, um, you know, nudity and profanity once he got to serious, um, uh, sacrilegious concepts and so on, Nazi stuff. But he is doing a Z, he is doing the morning zoo. And gay uh, stuff, to, let's not forget. Yeah, yeah, gay stuff, whatever. But this it's not a coincidence that he went this direction suddenly in 1981. I think it's interesting that he did nothing but bash morning zoos, like you said, forever. Right. That's all yeah. he did was bash the morning zoo man and say that he's not that. He's this irreverent, I'm a genius, better level radio. But mm. he was copying it at some low rent scale as we can see just yeah. from the description of this mo curly bit he almost used <laughs> the term morning zoo like profanity he he would he would always say you think don't compare me to so and so like some cheap third rate morning zoo and yeah. it's almost mm -hmm. it's almost like uh when he would go after celebrities for their hair uh, you know, yeah, he's, wait, he's far too hair. aware. Yeah, he's yeah. far too aware of it. Yeah, yeah, you're um, right. It is like that. Like, I know I was a morning zoo, so I'm gonna bash it enough to now indoctrinate yeah. my listeners to remember me differently. So we yeah, don't so even that, remember those times. The yeah. psychology being, well, how could he be a morning zoo? He hates morning zoos, but that's exactly yeah. what he's doing. Um, it gets to the point at WNBC following this, he's literally smashing a gong after he makes jokes. He's, you know, he's <laughs> and he's not doing it ironically. He's doing no. it because he thinks that's what's funny. So yeah, uh, you will, um, we'll have an audio clip of that. There's video that goes with it. Um, okay. But that's what he's literally doing later on. Number next clip is called Wiggy. Can you spare a dime? Although members of the think tank contributed a lot of material and madness during their hours on the air, at no charge to the station or to the host, Howard skillfully quarterbacked the players by reviewing the ideas they submitted and maintaining the momentum of his show. And the the clip that the the, sh the sentence that's not included, guys, is he sometimes ruthlessly axed written dialogue, explaining this is garbage. He knew exactly what to do with us and when to cut us off and make good radio. Shakona said. Uh, now the the thing is, I I believe at some point Howard might have known about had an instinctive instinctive idea about the flow the flow of the show i don't think he ever understood comedy or what was funny because we've seen evidence Definitely. of him back in the day and then later on when they get fired from wnbc and go on and do comedy they're awful um when you see him on talk shows he's awful but mm -hmm. so he might have been better a better purveyor of 
how long something should go for to keep people interested. But over time, that degraded so bad that to the point where he's doing bits now. The, you, you, I know you've listened. You stopped listening long enough to hear the knocking, all that knocking at the door stuff, Ben. Uh, I I did hear that. Yeah, to always hear like, like, some some in person. A, a puppet, an impersonator. Oh, look! You know, President Trump is uh, is here. Hello, Howard. Do, 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 all mm-hmm. that stuff, which is one of his probably six the lamest. Trump. Pro- yeah. Yes, but one of the lamest things you could possibly do in 2023 on a podcast. Well, I yeah. just think it's interesting the word quarterback and Howard going together. <laughs> it's like you think, never. He's a, think he's a place kicker? I mean, Jesus but, but what you, but what you just described—the knock at the door—I mean, that's all morning zoo type stuff. Absolutely. It's not him making fun of morning zoos. Don't let him get away with that. That's not what he's doing. No, that's not. Uh, so the next one is called the birth of the blather. The sometimes lazy conversation between records represented a giant step in the show's evolution to an all-talk format. Howard and Retinue would pass great spans of time discussing their personal lives, weekend plans, whatever. In Washington, Howard picked up the morning newspapers and ruminated on the air about what he had read. And so here's here's uh, a little audio. And if, if I had wait. if I had the brains, I really should have taken old Howard clips, made AI, and created the audio that's missing. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say the lazy conversation between records represented a giant step into the show's evolution i think that it's just not an evolution more like he was just too lazy to keep up with these bits and keep producing them and keep quarterbacking them he just didn't want to do it anymore the the thing here it says ted that one of the clips in between the two paragraphs that the fall that follow so the paragraph that follows is not in there uh reviewing the tv listings one morning he said i don't know man ted knight is actually has a t- tv show believe it or not and i don't know anyone who's ever seen it entertainment tonight has a picture profile of actor david soul that guy's got a terrific career huh it's a good thing he dropped out of starsky and hutch to get better better roles was he starsky or hutch now I, I'm I'm old enough to remember that Starsky and Hutch was a massive show. Yeah, you're talking was. to me. I mean, <laughs> no, I know, but I'm but I'm saying like that, like the 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 whole crapping on celebrities was what we loved about the show. It was it was irreverent. I get that, but um, it, I think you know years later, you know that it's just complete jealousy that people are big and huge, and he's stuck on radio when he should be, oh, he should be you know at the Academy Awards. He's a great actor. Well, it it feels like he gets dragged into these things. Like Ben said, he's a student of radio. So he was seeing, okay, this morning zoo thing's popular. I'm going to go into this and get these curated bits going with these comedians that I don't pay. But essentially, he doesn't really like to highlight anybody else. And he doesn't want to make the time to, you know, become an impressionist or really work on the comedy of these bits. So it just becomes this irreverent conversation not because he feels like he's evolving it's not some planned evolution of i'm gonna revolutionize radio it's just laziness yeah yeah uh the next clip uh, is called howard whiny say it ain't so it was howard's whiny unaffected manner of speaking so different from the scripted and polished broadcasters who predominated (laughs) radio that gave his show an attitude that was both refreshingly direct and immensely entertaining Howard clearly recognized that regular guys sitting around talking helped deliver the kind of natural feel and sound that he was looking for. Now, 
do you want to know what that sounds like to me when they say it was both refreshingly direct and immensely entertaining? It reminds me of when Trump first ran for president in 2015, where it's like, we're, we recapture this from Howard as a genius, but it's really because Howard wasn't that smart, polished person to begin with. It wasn't a choice to be this way. He is just that meandering kind of lazy person who does speak directly at times. And it is entertaining because the people he puts around him, but it's like, you're not sure what you're seeing or listening to at first. It's different than what everybody else was doing because they're more polished and probably smart. Mm-hmm. Well, unpredictability became the benchmark, like not the benchmark. It became the calling card for the show. Essentially, if the 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 big line in private parts was always so. Oh, you know, people are uh, the reason why people uh, listen to Love him and hate him. Want to hear what he's what they they want to hear what he's going to have to say. What about the people that right. hate him? They want to hear what's going to he has to say. And so, keeping people's uh, you know attention. At a time when, yeah, radio was stayed, it was format, it was formulaic. I mean, people, there was a market for both. There's a market for f- formulaic stuff, and apparently there became a market for this irreverent stuff uh, in in the form of what we had before, Bob Grant and uh, Alex Bennett talk show, people with opinions, opinionated, uh, you know, uh, at shows where callers were the the basis of most of the show to call in shows they were huge back in the day as well there was there was room for everything sam but i think like benjamin always mentions when it came to other people it wasn't howard who just got on this irreverent track either yes it's because he's lazy and he couldn't keep up with the bits but it's because he started noticing those few djs who were doing this before him and then mm-hmm. decided i actually like doing this better and He's he's good at telling sometimes the wind of change. Well, yeah, copying was a lot easier than being original. And it, it's yeah. been it, that's been the same in, in every endeavor in, in the ind- industry. Like, why not just make a sequel instead of coming up with some new idea? For a and who would you say he copied first? Like he heard first and thought that's the direction I'm going. Steve Dahl. That's Steve what I Dahl. Saying. Yeah, because he so was a, he, he had no personality before that. Uh, by the way, I sent you in the chat there a news profile on Howard at DC 101 where you can I hear him. I, on the st- yeah, yeah, it's I, it's. Ooh, let's listen. This is God, Howard. Uh, I'm bored with being God. Early in the morning, <laughs> when most of us are still sleeping, there's a madman loose on the Baltimore Washington <laughs> airwaves. I will make life rain. Rain. Uh-huh. Maybe a little bit of snow. Have mercy. That'll get you. Have mercy, your this holiness. Is God <laughs> on DC 101. Have mercy on my soul. Howard Stern needs you. There he is with the drums. Yeah. Hey, listen, man, relax. Take it easy. Howard rants and raves with his producer, Earth Dog Fred Norris, and news lady Robin Quivers at a time when most of us are barely moving. Hold on, we'll put your throat on. What do you want to speak to Howard about? Stern is ready and raring to go, though. Okay, like so. In this situation, he's he's acting like he's somebody else. He's getting extra whiny, so because he's not adopting his oh deep. I'm Howard Stern aff- affectation because he needs to be somebody else for the purposes of this bit. Mm-hmm. This, you know, I'm the secretary, yeah. but I'm also you know, that's the joke. Like no one knows who the hell you are. Um, but further, um, I, further, I think you can't 
tell that that's his voice because you're used to, and maybe not at this point, but you're you're used to more of the 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 deepened voice from all the effects. And yeah. when it goes straight through the phone line without all that, people are always confused. They they don't believe they're talking to Howard when they hear that voice. Sure, see, and I, or, it's yeah, sorry. Sam. Sorry. I always wonder, like you know, because it's so starkly different when people maybe look back and say, oh, I want to see old clips of Howard. And then they hear that voice. I wonder what people must think. I mean, we're used to it, but don't you think people are so confused? I mean, he's a grown man. How did yeah, that happen? He's 27 years old at this point. <laughs> and and well, if to hear him, he would say, oh, well, they would say, well, oh, well, he was nervous. So his yeah. voice became high Yeah, he pitched. looks real nervous banging on that symbol. Yeah. <laughs> well, the uh, we just played, uh, who was it? Len and I covered... Oh, uh, an older clip from uh, I'm going to say 98, uh, which with the video portion, and uh, he, 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 one of our <laughs> listeners, Jonathan Levin, said, "I can't take his whiny voice." And I asked him, "I'm still waiting on his response. If you couldn't take, can't take it now, why? How could you put up with it back then?" Mm. I don't I, and know. I, I mean, it was was the show the, uh, entertaining enough beyond him to keep people's attention? I presume so. Uh, also, he was very it? current. But do we notice it more because we've heard the new voice for so long and maybe that's why it's so bothersome? Maybe. Maybe that's part of it. Sorry, I was going to say, I remember back when they first on Sirius played the history of Howard and I was hearing for my first time old <laughs> Howard Stern stuff. I couldn't believe it. I just said, that's, there's no way that's his voice. It doesn't sound like the fake voice that he put on when he was supposed to be nervous in private parts. Yeah. Um, you know, it does. It does not sound like his voice whatsoever. And I've, you know, I'd seen posts online where people couldn't believe what his voice sounded like. I wasn't a member of, of uh, the Stern Fan Network at that time, but I later saw that people were making comments like I could, they couldn't believe how his voice sounded. Ben's right. The first idea I thought of what his voice sounded like, because there was no YouTube, was private parts. Like, mm -hmm. so you just assumed that's what it would be like. And when you see this dork accountant with this whiny voice and that was the voice always i was shocked well yeah in private parts he makes his voice kind of breathy he's like hi this is howard stern that's not how his voice sounded that that's how he describes his voice having sounded but that's not how it sounded no and anyone with a phone and a thick skin is invited to join in the madness my three and a half year old granddaughter walks around all day saying your mammy is so ugly, she looks like my tush. <laughs> Gee, that's a bright kid you got there. It's certainly something to be proud of. You still got your teeth, the original teeth? Of course. <laughs> Imagine this woman being your grandmother. Oh, really? My three-and-a-half-year-old. Hey, uh, hey, honey. Loves you. It's something about old people when they get on the phone, they love to talk about their personal life. And I know it's real interesting to you, but we got to move along. No, I want to talk about you. That's, 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 that's him not being bothered by anything except maybe thinking, <laughs> uh, he, having an idea that there's a time limit on this. I, I can only go so long talking before the next record. But he doesn't sound like he's stressed in any other way than that. Well, he doesn't listen. That's the first. I mean, he never listens. So no. if it extends on something, if it's not homosexual or perverted, he's moving on real quick. He doesn't want to hear from you. And it's also he doesn't respect people. So that's obvious. <laughs> well, what's what's that? Did he call her honey just now? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, that, yeah. That's how he masks his contempt for women. 
is he'll call them honey and sweetheart as he talks to them. And it's, it's uh, passive aggressive. Um, but if you, if you clip to the very end of that video, there's, he's on the street talking to a black woman and you get to hear his voice without the radio stuff that's going on right now. Um, okay. I think it's at the end. I, mm-hmm. you might've actually just passed it. He's outside on the street wearing a jacket. There's definitely on the there street, but oh, there, oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you okay. go. Okay. Don't play by the rules. I don't play by the rules, baby. That's right. As a matter of fact, uh, you don't either. What do you do for a living? Look at this. I just want to say something. A black woman and a white man shaking hands in Washington. Who says there's racial problems, man? Who says there's racial problems? Get your hand off me. You catch some kind of disease. Come on over here. Oh, God. First of all, it is in the 80s. It's not like it's the height of the civil rights movement. And (laughs) he sounds like... It sounds like he's, I mean, what decade are we in here? And that's, this is how he reveals his racism too, by the way, when he's constantly, look at me, I'm Mm -hmm. with a black person and I'm shaking their hand as if it's like the forties. Yeah. The rock magazines in the, in the early 90s. As if he hadn't grown up with black people, right? Oh, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, the, the rock magazines in the early nineties, remember, remember the band living color? Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, all they're all like all African American musicians are really good, actually. I liked them a lot. But, um, the, the ma- magazine article would invariably say have a phrase something like the black Led Zeppelin, and mm. that which is a subtle form of racism, like they, their color should have no bearing on what they're playing, except for the fact that they were playing in a genre that was predominantly white artists. Mm. So, mm-hmm. but they made it, uh, I think. Authors of the 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 writers didn't actually grasp the fact that the band might be getting annoyed by hearing that all the time, and they were they'd be upset. Like, why don't you why don't you compare us just as musicians instead of that? And uh, I don't blame them. It must have been galling back in the day. So for something like that to happen in early '80s, whatever, I, I, I find it. Uh, he's still doing it. He would remember Cyrus, the call like the caller on the, he would call into the show many times. Cyrus. Cyrus, he, he, he remind like, me. Well, there's. I, I'll, let me see if I can play the clip real quick. One sec. So this is an example of Cyrus asking about Howard's subtle racism from 2008 on the wrap-up show. Um, no, uh, I noticed that Howard always mentions like, why does he always mention like race and something like? That's why my first phone call to him ever was like, it's a subtle racism. Like, why did he mention that all her assistants were black and like, hmm, and you didn't find anybody else, hmm. Gary, why, why do you think? Why do you think Howard mentioned that? No, what did he? I didn't hear that part. He said Howard today. made a comment how everyone, every assistant that Robin hires right. is black, except for Carrie, who was white, and Jackie, the white girl I never. And met. Jackie, we don't know because no one ever met her. And uh, Robin said, um, "Those, those are the people who apply for the job." But I think Cyrus is making the point that Howard made it into a black-white issue. Is that correct, Cyrus? Yeah, because even when I call over something that's not about race. He says, Cyrus, you're a black caller, right? Like, why can't I just be Cyrus the caller? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that clip because he's so dead on and he passed away, actually, not, not like quite a few years later. That's but interesting. he was a great caller. I, I wish I, want, I, could, I, want, I could listen to this guy all day. I like how Gary does the politician thing. Oh, I didn't hear that. Meaning like, yeah, so he can't respond to it, hoping that mm-hmm. John won't bring it back up. <laughs> yeah, well, that was essentially it. So the next clip is called Ain't a Damn Thing Changed. Uh, this is from page 71, if you guys are still following along at home. The give and take with the think tank became doubly important to Howard. 
Even though he was honing his talent for quick lines and wicked commentary, his show relied heavily on prepared elements. Among the song parodies and comedy creations was Out of the Closet Stern, whom he oh brought boy. to full over-the-top homosexual flamboyance at DC 101. A spoof of Family Feud, the TV game show featured host Richard Dawson smooching a contestant who had herpes. Uh, ben, in your opinion, like, w- is this something that he would have used as an excuse to anybody who, th- who thinks he's, you know, still in the closet that, uh, well, he's always been doing this and, and uh, you know, he's always been doing this. So it's not, you know, October is not a far leap to this. Right. That they have no censorship on, on, on satellite. But my argument would be, well, he's always been doing it because that's what he's most comfortable with. Uh, yeah. I think that there was, well, Steve Dahl had a gay character as well. Rex, um, what the heck was it called? Calling um, the Bijou? Rex, Rex, Rex Reation. No, no, uh, that was later. The Bijou was okay. gay porn theater in Chicago, and they would just call and just play for comment- and add commentary to the – it was sort of like movie line back when you would call and hear what the movie times were, and they would give a description of the movie. Right, and based, uh, based on Rex Reed, the famous uh, reviewer at the time. Right, right. So um, there was this – that there was that going on, Steve Dahl, and there's a a song from the seventies uh, or eighties. I gotta find it for you and play. Um, go ahead. I gotta find it for you. Let, let me look. Okay, it go, ahead. Back here. go ahead. Take your time. In the meantime, I'll get yeah. a later version of out out of the closet stern. I wanted to say something. Do you think now that I'm, you know, the time period? It's the early eighties. Remember during the early eighties in New York City and stuff, and like. I'm pretty sure they had districts like that in D.C. where they used to, you know, play the gay movies and the porns. And then they'd have those uh, where you could go in a booth and look at somebody through. And then sometimes through a hole, they jerk you off or something like that. Do you ever think Stern? Oh, glory holes. Yeah. Do you ever think Stern like went to the, it was like around the time of like the torso killer and stuff. And it was just bad areas, all of those. But every city kind of had one. Do you think that? Stern maybe ever left work and went to like one of those gay jerk off booths or I don't believe so. I think I think he would have been frightened out of his life. Yeah, I was just curious. Guys, we're gonna play um a little of uh Howard revisiting out of the closet Stern as a when a caller (laughs) just calls in and he throws it on there while I think Artie's in studio. So it's not vintage out of the closet Stern, but it's he slips right back into it. So just just listen to this for a sec. But uh, lately, in the last couple of years, I mean, ever since you've been going to shrink, you lost your edge. I mean, it, 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 nobody's doing any writing. What was the last time you wrote a bit? We hadn't done a bit way before you went to a shrink. No, let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Uh, forever, since I've been on the radio, now 25 years, everyone's been talking about, since the first year I was on, that I lost my edge. Your edge. I've been written about in the papers I lose my edge. I suck. I'm this and that, the other thing. Meanwhile, I'm still here. If you don't like the show, if you feel I've lost so-called edge. No, no, no. I'm not saying that I don't like the show. Uh, listen, I, I don't want you calling me and telling me what I've lost. It can only make me feel bad and it'll make me want to leave the radio even sooner. So you have to keep your mouth shut. Your job is to keep me. Well, now you sound like my wife. Yeah. Your job is to worry about me and keep me pumped up. Don't. We talk about you, that's that's what you, you talk about narcissism. If you, people had heard this clip back then, I think they would have sussed out real, you know, sooner yeah. than they did that he's just a complete uh, uh, NPD nut. 
that that's what he's doing. The radio equivalent is committing is threatening threatening to commit suicide. So mm-hmm. you walk on eggshells around me and you do as I say, or I kill myself. And it's yep. you know it's an emotional blackmail that he's doing towards the listeners big, here. Big, that was big, incredible. Yeah. Me to critique me because well, I'm a just, sensitive guy. I don't want to hear that I suck. If I suck, I'd rather not know it. Okay, I'll know when I suck. I'm going to leave in three years. That's when I'm going to. I'm. I'll be done. Now you're, <laughs> now you said that. Let me see. Uh, I, this was 2002, August 5th. Oh my oh, God. Gosh. He's been yeah, 20, but, more than 20 years ago. Now think about this. Ben's right. He's been emotionally suiciding his audience, blackmailing them forever because this blackmail has come up consistently it's the boy who cried career suicide for decades now and you know what he's lying nobody said he lost his edge in the beginning not a single article was like howard stern's not edgy (laughs) well well, the 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 first time that really happened in i mean it did happen in the um, post private parts era when he divorced allison and they were saying well you people can't relate that was one way they were saying they were criticizing him uh, people were starting to get at that him. was a but, long time after <laughs> no before i mean when he divorced I, I allison know, but i'm saying like when this guy's oh, calling okay. oh, people, these articles his, his that defense. he pretends to happen yeah. in the beginning of yeah. his career about losing his edge First, they didn't write about you. Second, it was always about how you're too edgy. So, right. no, that's a flat-out lie. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so we're going to play a little bit more. Hold on. We'll be I'm done. Out. Mark my words. Uh, Read my time. lips. Three <laughs> years. You can criticize nothing. I won't be here. And you'll have a whole bunch of people who sound like me doing the show. See if you were nice well, And I, I am an original. I am the man. I'm the best in the game. <laughs> and maybe I'm not as good as I was five years ago. Maybe I'm better. I don't know. Oh, well, you know, you should do. Yeah, but you should do a lot of bits. Alex. I don't. Re- you know? That's what's great about me. Wait. I don't repeat myself. Can I just jump in? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to amend what I said earlier. It's not only to blackmail the audience. It's primarily to blackmail who he has to negotiate with. And the, you know, the fear is you're you're going to lose me forever. So you better give me what I want. It's. It's amazing how long the scheme has worked. Yeah. yeah. For a second, the show evolves. And the one thing I, I'll say about you is you'll be the first per- Howard will be the first person to retire something before someone tells him he has to. If He doesn't want to burn stuff out. Not I- only that, not only that. I'm not playing games with you. Five years ago, I sit there and record a little bit. Hey, this is for babies. <laughs> I'm gonna sit there and record bits. I mean, hold on, I'm pretend something. Forget about it. I predicted the whole reality show thing. This is real, baby. We're mixing it up. Yeah. You don't even know what I'm up to. I'm so brilliant. Oh, oh no, You would have known. You would have known. The show has moved beyond you. What do you want me to do? You want me to pretend to be a big fagula? Here, out of the closet, stern here. What is that? That's done with, man. That's you played, know? baby. <laughs> no, don't you need to do it's it. over, baby. Lock all right, here, I'll sit here and pretend to be a big. Bit. I'll sit here and be a big. I'll write a bit for you right now. I don't need. I don't need a gun. I'm gonna write a bit right now. Hi, this is out of the closet, Stern Suey. Suey. I find it incredibly interesting. That's the first thing he went to because it's a bit he wishes he didn't retire. I think in a lot of ways, but had to because of the culture. <laughs> Of, you know, you're spoofing the match game or whatever, or movie reviews or whatever he's doing and making a spoof of it. That's one thing. But 
spoofing pretending to be gay for I don't know how long he did that bit, but it seems like forever. And that's the first thing that came out of his mouth. Of course. And that's and, you know, any any different than when he goes onto a show and starts touching the male host or going to kiss him or whatever. It's the first thing because it's the easiest thing to remember. You just go back to revert to type. Number two. Uh, the like the idea that by 2002 he was fed up with doing prepared bits because that meant more work. That's exactly yeah. it. He was he was newly single. He had no reason to avoid going home because he liked going home now to his apartment in Tibet. And uh, yeah, it oh, was well, yeah. And of course he loves prepared bits. He just doesn't want to be involved in them. Give no. you know have some. I mean, if he doesn't, if if this guy knows when to retire something, if you remember. I think it was 2013. We had two different Casey Kasem's ghost and ghost <laughs> of Casey Kasem. Two different Casey Kasem impersonators <laughs> doing two different bits that went for months, long yeah. after his death. Um, and, and, you know, and, and we continue to have, and I haven't listened, you know, in over a year. But oh, you you do a uh, Donald, you you do a Donald Trump, you do a. Arnold Schwarzenegger will have you. I don't care if we have five of you. We'll do five different Arnold Schwarzenegger impressions. It, right. It, it's um, repeating stuff has. It's not because he's too good. It's because he he was not interested in working. And if he's got now a staff, you know, his zoo crew to do it, he'll sit back and hit play. Yep. And here's where he wants to do the bit. It's the out of the closet stern in number two. It's the black voice. Howard never wanted to return that. Hey, look at him, man. Eh? Yeah. He no, he didn't want to do old Amos and Andy again. Those two yeah. voices. So when it comes to mocking gay people and black people and Indian mm. people, those bits he will keep forever for himself. But everything else he'll like rent out. <laughs> Oh, by the way, this was an amazing clip I found from the history of Howard Stern. I forgot to play it in in in, in consequence. Um, the um, the um, sorry, consequence. I didn't. I sorry, I forgot to play sequence. it in sequence. Yeah, it's called. Uh, there was no doubt we would be number one in Washington, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> there was no doubt in my mind when I left Detroit and I started to put it together in Washington that no one could beat me. That I was a force to be reckoned with. I knew it. I knew it in my mind. I knew that we were going to be number one in Washington. I, I would not accept anything else. But I don't think I ever truly believed that I was a big talent or I was going to be super successful or anything like that. I didn't know what to expect. You know, I just was hoping to make a living in radio. <laughs> so it's not is, exactly that, but you know this, what I mean. This I'm not the, full of it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, maybe I won't. <laughs> That's no. not a type A person. This is the crux of the problem, though, because then you can defend it on both ends. When you say two things that are totally opposite in one yeah. statement, which he does regularly, then you can always say, see, I did say this. Oh, see, I did believe in myself. Nope, mm -hmm. I was worried that I wasn't going to make it. Because now both narratives, two parallel tracks are existing at any point, so he can obfuscate responsibility for anything he says. Yeah. What's, what's, this, go ahead, Sam. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, th this is um. There's no reason for him to believe. First of all, he was never number one in Detroit. He was he he um uh, had never worked with Robin before, and he had no idea that he was going to be coming be becoming a zoo once he got there. Yeah. So how is he going to yeah. find people to work for free and be funny? 
Yeah. Um, so he had no reason to think. So this is all him, you know, rewriting his history, which he does daily. Yeah. But this is also like when he would um, talk about how his notebook that he would write down, we're going to be number one. And I would always say uh, on the forum, show us the notebook, show us what you're predicting for five years from now so we can come back and look at it. He would never do anything like that. But it's always, oh, I wrote down in my journal. I mean, he's a magical thinker. Um, and so he believes, you know, I can will the world to do as I want it. And uh, but still, I don't think he had any reason to believe, oh, I'll be number one. I mean, he <clears throat> by the way, you know, he was he went there only with Steve Dahl's act. And there's a caller at DC 101 who congratulates him. And I think it was in History of Howard Stern. And it's uh, if I can find it, maybe I'll send it to you. I'll clip it and maybe play it another time. But where the person congratulates him on something and then says, basically, uh, next thing you know, you'll be Steve Dahl. Mm. Uh, so. And yeah, kind of Howard just kind of had to act like, yeah, as if everyone knows who that is. Why would you know who that is? Mm -hmm. But uh, Howard knew who it was. Again, yeah. though, just like you said right there, it's this parallel track of uh, why would he think that he's going to be number one? And why would he think that he, he we're always told he plans all these things. He does nothing but think about the show. He goes home yeah. and writes all these things and we never see that notebook, but all these ideas are constantly popping out. But at the same time, the same track we hear, I don't prepare anything. It's my genius of spontaneity. And I just go with the flow baby. And that's my genius working. So we have two completely different thoughts happening at the same time. And you could just pick whichever story you feel like 20 years later to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that part. That's that part of narcissism where you create the false self. So that magical thinking, the idea of, you know, the idea thinking and dreaming of being a bodybuilder isn't the same as going out and exercising and building that body. <laughs> you can one. talk about it. You know, I could talk about being a master guitarist, but not be able to string a guitar. And mm -hmm. the two, you know, I can be delusional, but I may not be able to fully realize that I am delusional. But the problem is. I do believe to a point, like when you want to go for your dreams and you have a goal and you kind of like want to manifest that. So you think about it a lot. You become the thing that you want to be because that's what you're thinking of and you work at it and do it. That's one thing. Okay. But the other point is that Howard always says that it was just dumb luck and these circumstances just came together and he had no idea what he was doing and kind of just fell into it. So it's either or and I don't know how you decipher from those very two opposite spectrums. Uh, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one thing here that's really I found fascinating because Ben, you 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 you, you know about publishing, but do you, have you ever had to to work with galley proofs? Uh, not in a long time because I've worked okay. remotely now. But yeah. Okay, so before a book becomes a book, there are versions of it, then they get vetted, and all of a sudden the final copy becomes what it is. But the next clip is called Elliot Gould Goes Rogue and Tries Some Improv. He starts saying things that are not in the book. Oh, and he, speaking like, of, uh, he skipped something that that uh, Howard is like known for as one of his most famous bits. I saw that yeah. too. Uh, I don't know if you were going to talk comment on that. Oh yes, yes, uh, the uh, the the call to Air Florida in January '82 to ask the price of a one-way ticket to the 14th Street Bridge, right. uh, which in it, where an improperly diced plane, I don't know, or diced, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, had plunged into the Potomac River, killing 78 people, and and, and it never actually did happen. But he was happy. No, he never made the, the call. Idea. But it is yeah. remembered in history as he, he called, called them and said, and that yeah. you know, hey, I was trying to make a point here. You know, that you need to be more responsible with human life, but you didn't make that call. 
You, right. you know, you talk to a chattering voice that was mm -hmm. obviously fake as everybody cracked up. And you know but, what's so uh, interesting about that is we in the Vice stuff, uh, that one, uh, the dark side of the 2000s, Mad Cow, Man Cow, sorry, yeah. um, actually went. Bill Clinton got in trouble for shutting down an airport when he went somewhere and it stood up traffic for like, I don't know, a day or something. It was just ridiculous and wasting taxpayer money and yada, yada, yada. Is that and the so haircut he, incident? Yes. Yeah. And mm. so he actually shut down a bridge by getting a haircut to prove a point. That was mm. it. And I think he got arrested or got fired. Which one was it? I forgot. Suspended, most likely. Suspended, but, uh, something yeah. like that. But that's actually putting your ass on the line and mm. doing it. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. Howard just makes up this history and doesn't go through with it. Right. Yeah. But the 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 biggest the biggest one, and and Ben, you've made reference to it many times when you were still at the old place as well, was the um, running for governor and then claiming they wanted to disclose they wanted him to disclose his financial information when right. it, it, it was clear on the ballot. You just have to say you earn more than two hundred and fifty thousand, right. which which they'll right. go into in this book later on. And he, you know, he never mentions that. He never mentions the no. fact that that's all he had to do. And it was I, obvious even at that point he was making more than that a year. And then another fake one that they always pretend was real was Howard cutting Soupy Sales piano wires, which didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Right. But he lets you believe still to this day that it happened. Guys, we're going to play this clip uh, called uh, Truck. <laughs> I guess this is the name of the clip is CB Savage. You can find it on YouTube. CB as in CB radio. And uh, this is the this is what Ben and just listen for just listen for for li listen for out of the closet stern because this came out in 1976. Yeah, it says the plantation record story 1968 to 1981. So it's a compilation CD. Yeah. We was hunting bear for the rocking chair out on I-40, dodging bucks in pickup trucks in West New Mexico. It was a cloudy day and me and old Jay was just about bored to tears. But we come awake when a CB break come a ringing loud and clear. And we heard this voice that we ain't never heard before saying, Break one nine, I'm CB Savage. <laughs> Hi, all you 18 wheelers. Anyone seen any smoky bears? How about some bear smokies? <laughs> CB Savage here. Come on. <laughs> Sam's well, mouth I... is wide open this whole time. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, he does this little cute little laugh after he makes these gay puns throughout the character. Uh, right. Anyway, it's, I think that's what Howard stole that character. I never... I just thought it was some generic thing that came from him. That is so yeah. out of the closet stern. It's yeah. cadence, yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. Even the There's more. It, 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 Yeah, it is funny. It, there's more of it. Uh, every break, it's him breaking in and calling out for men. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is where, like I said, guys, Elliot goes rogue and tries some improv. So we had to follow along. It's on page 71. Howard was especially proud of his morning-long coverage of Prince Charles's wedding to Lady Diana Spencer in July 1981. He submitted taped excerpts to Billboard in hopes of winning a second radio award from the magazine. Billboard had named him Personality of the Year in the album-oriented rock form for his stint in Detroit. As Big Ben rang in the background, Howard made it seem that he was partying with the newlyweds and their guests, 
dining on spam in the blanket and listening to a dance band reconstruct an old Beach Boys tune. Be true to your shul, attend Hebrew school. Robin was said to be broadcasting alone from the studio on Connecticut Avenue. That's why I mentioned actress Susan George, she said to Howard during a newscast, because she used to be the prince's girlfriend, and she's the only thespian who was invited to the wedding. It's hard to hear you, Robin. Did you say something about a lesbian? Thespian. Thespian. Yeah, there's a lot of lesbians over here in England. Later, speaking to Charles, Howard remarked, I guess it's sort of upsetting for you because you could have had any girl that you wanted. Charles, speaking in a ridiculous Cockney-esque accent, replied, Right, right. Anyway, I still have him, you know. I'll just down tell Lady Di, right? Howard, what do you mean? You say you're going to be with other girls even though you're married? Of course. What do you think I'm going to do, stick with this one broad the rest of my life? I see. You want to be with other women? All kinds of women, right. No kidding. How do you feel about that, Lady Di? A shrill-voiced die responded, Well, you don't expect me to stick with this bloody 32-year-old virgin all my life, do you? God also joined the wedding cast. Years earlier, Howard would call on him for weather forecasts in Washington. God supplied forecasts and wisdom. In a thunderous voice, the deity addressed the royal couple. Hello, this is God. I would like to offer Lady Di a present. Lady Di will give birth to 12 beautiful children. Barefoot and pregnant, that's the way I like to keep them. And then the forecast. It will be rainy in England, overcast in the United States. Ha ha ha, this is God, DC 101. <laughs> is God moonlighting at Schwartz's Deli? So he's <laughs> yeah, totally That's his idea of God, huh? Yeah, he just started like, and, and I don't know if that was something that was just omitted from the book at the last minute. You, often that's what happens, but he must have got a copy that was uh, not the attenuated yeah. version. Yeah. I like so the big the Jewy God. That was funny. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, this next one is okay. Uh, from, <laughs> okay. From out of the closet Stern to Jimmy Savile Stern. Okay. Listen, let me call the young elementary school. All right. God. That'll please you, Prince? Okay, here we go. I personally don't condone this kind of thing, Prince, but uh, since you're the, you're, what do you call you, your highness? Since you're, since you're so royal and everything, we'll see if we can't talk with this. Hi, uh, Charles Young High School, I mean, Charles Young High School, elementary school, I'm wondering if you can be on the air with us, is that okay? This is DC 101 Radio. Can we talk with you for a second? Oh, great. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Listen, well, I've got Prince Charles visiting me this morning on my radio program. Prince Charles? Prince Charles from England. Hello. Yeah? Hey, can you hear him back there? Hello. There he is. And we have Lady Diana as well. Hello. We have both of them here, and I figured I'd call the young elementary school because the prince, have you been reading the paper? He likes them young. Right. He likes young girls. Absolutely. Is this somebody playing games? No, no, no. If it was Prince Andrew, I would have believed the bit. Anyway, we'll continue. Uh, I still believe it. <laughs> I'm not playing games. This is really the radio station, DC 101. What's everybody think I'm playing games for? This I is, like young women we're so not, much. We're not playing it. Would you be quiet for a second, Prince Charles? Prince Charles wait, is looking wait. for a date. Is that Fred's genius, by the way, in the background? I was just going to say, did Prince Charles grow up in Compton? <laughs> <laughs> Straight out of Buckingham Palace. 
<laughs> Are they just somebody playing a game? No, 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 I'm not playing a game. Prince Charles, keep quiet for a second. I'm on the phone here with Young Elementary School in Washington. I'm not playing a game. What I'm what I'm saying is he wants to go out with someone in elementary school. How the old, elementary school. Yeah. How old are the students in the elementary school? I guess the oldest one is about what eleven. Eleven. Oh, right, right, right. oh he likes that. Yes. <laughs> I tell you something. This Prince. I don't know what they're doing over there in England, but I think it's disgusting between you and me. No. I don't, sir. I don't think we can arrange this kind of thing, can we? I don't think so, me. I think he better find someone around his age. He better find someone his age. That's what I've been saying for all week long. Good grief. No, I've been, no, no, no. I've been saying all week. And, sir, what's your name, by the way? You mind giving your name? Uh, Brown. Brown? <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I mean, this is something that he would revisit time and time again with underage stuff and uh, and more, re like, but that's, that's, like, really brutal compared to, you know, the, um, you know the Millie Bobby Bobby Brown stuff, where she's yeah. older but still underage at that point, doing the the agent voice. Diana was really young. <laughs> she, but she wasn't. But she wasn't eleven. No, she was nineteen. <laughs> right. I'm I'm surprised um, that Howard restrained himself from pointing out the guy's race who he was talking no to. No kidding. Especially when he said Brown, I was like, yeah, uh -oh. exactly. Yeah, we're in yeah. deep shit now. He's gonna yeah. go. We're gonna well, get the OJ voice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next one's called How Weird Toes the Company Line. Howard's bawdiest bits on DC 101 sound quaint compared to his purposely shameful behavior more than a decade later, when he would spank women on the air and incur the wrath of the Federal Communications Commission for indecency. However, in the nation's capital, he revealed in subtle ways that he was still testing how far he could go. Sometimes he pulled back in fear that he might go too far. I wanted to just point this out. When we were doing that Vice episode, Howard, during this whole 90s, early 2000s period, made himself seem like the picture boy for poster boy for indecency and the one that the FCC was constantly going after. What mm. you understood when you watched that series on Vice, Dark Side of the 2000s, was that was the just a small pebble in the broad scope of the FCC going after radio DJs. I mean, it was everybody. It was Opie and Anthony. It was Man Cow. It was all these people were getting because they went on this kick, especially after the Janet Jackson thing, where they became more they started paying way more attention to it. So that just was like the natural progression because of that. So he made it seem like it was just him. He yeah. was the only one. He's Jesus on the cross, et cetera, et cetera. Of course. I, yeah, I didn't see this. I didn't know about this vice thing, but do they <clears throat> acknowledge that the FCC is responding to complaints? The, because... best part, the best part about, yes, they acknowledge that. And the best part about it, they kept mentioning, Benjamin, that the the radio station paid for the fines. They yes, kept Howard never the slot radio the radio station yeah. paid for everything. They all Howard always let everybody believe that he personally paid millions of dollars in fines. Uh, the 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 series is is it, it's it's like uh, again it's the it's really the, good. The, it's the decade of the two thousand the oddies as they call it. But uh, mm -hmm. I would say it's this particular one dealt with two episodes, so it it took us quite a while to get through all of it because it's, the mm -hmm. second one is more O and A than Howard, but it's still good. And the only problem is, of course, who do they get to talk about Howard? Jackie Grillo. Uh, stuttering John. Jackie, who was not even there for the 2000s. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, but because the, because there's a bit of um, coverage of the prior to like what leading up to and what uh, mm. because it was about the rivalries as well and the rivalry with Man Cow was in the in the nineties. That's what made Jackie uh, feasible as a guest. It's the only one that I ever heard really go after him for how he treats his employees as expendable mm-hmm. and um, really savage with his competition. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I haven't seen it, but I hate how these guys act wounded that the FCC was after them mm-hmm. when really they're so proud that the, because it made them superstars. The fact that the F, they were made headlines because of this, you know, it made them the cream of the crop in that, in their field, but they want to act as though, oh, it's such a burden. But the other Somebody- part is that all of them went and said that this was happening like across the country. They made it like a collective thing about a speech issue where Howard made it more so personal about it's me that's being persecuted. I'm the one right. that's yeah. getting this. To that right. point, when they go into the man cow, the, you know, I'll fuck his dead father's skull and all that stuff or whatever. No, he didn't say F because it was. On that was that was 90s, rip. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what what uh, a listener uh, mentioned astutely was that Howard would have you believe that he did. He did. He said that in response to being sent a box of shit by Mancow. But in fact, it was the opposite. And Mancow did that after the comments were told mm-hmm. and were said on the air. And Mancow, they because they interviewed Mancow. He uh, the, if he mm-hmm. was he agreed mm-hmm. to be interviewed for the whole thing. Yeah. And um, like they were at least at least wise enough to get the order right. They also had Tim Sabian on too as well. You would really like this. Though, yeah, ben. if I remember it right, it's been a long time since I heard the man cow stuff, but if I remember it right, Howard claims that a female intern opened the box and came running into his office crying because of what she found in this box. And right. so that's why Howard had to roll up his sleeves and stand up for her uh, and fight back. Yes, which is all made up, you know, yeah. of course. But, you know, yeah. uh, speaking about making it personal, after I think it was right after he got his second set of fines. You know, the first time he got the FCC problem, it was it was a warning. It wasn't a fine. And uh, the second time when it actually came in form of a fine, the head of the FCC ended up getting, I believe it was colon cancer. And Howard went on the air and prayed that it would spread and that he would die from it. Mm-hmm. Personally calling this guy out by name. I mean, over something that he knows is nothing that his boss Mel is telling him, this is nothing, we're not going to pay it. And yet he would go on the air and pretend that it shakes him so much that I'm going to pray for his death. Yep. That's crazy. Guys, we're playing a little bit of Pat Cooper discussing Howard's lack of ability and, uh, or very, what's that? Oh, I okay, sorry. <laughs> Sam was making the heart symbol because it's all, it's Pat. And uh, yeah, we love Pat. He's, he's always, he's always A-team, uh, A-group, not B-group. So here we go. Because the world of entertainment don't respect him. He is a radio man, basically. Okay, he's a shock jock. Don't make any, he's not a big giant talented guy out there. He's at the clock cable of the movie thing. He is what he is. He's a shock jock. That's his forte. He does it well. Become a multimillionaire. Okay, so basically, you know, it's it just it's it's not that that one's not so inflammatory. The one I was looking for, hold on, Pat Cooper. This that the there's another one I'm going to get. I it. do Pat, like that from, one though. That's from that's the documentary. The, Shut up and listen. 
That's right. It's a good documentary. Yeah. Guys, from the same uh, documentary, Shut Up and Listen, uh, this is Martin Downey Jr. and uh, Pat Cooper both discussing the whole Howard wishing AIDS on people. He'd done it to Arsenio before this, uh, but this and this was done in the mid-90s, I would say 95, maybe 94 or so. This was, this was following uh, his cancellation in Chicago. So he yes. wished AIDS on Larry Wirt who was the general manager of the station. Yeah, they dropped him. He had and then he wanted his station. children to be infected by it. Oh, yeah. God. For allowing Howard to remain on the air for one second after that statement was made. For one second. Has performed a great disservice to an entire generation of people who listen to radio, look to it for entertainment, because if they believe that that is the right way to do it, then we are in deep trouble. I'm not here to defend him. He says a lot of things he should never say, but that I know he don't mean to kill and give people AIDS. That's, that's terrible. And again, that's going to eat him up when, he, when, when his kids hear about that, and they'll throw it to those kids. You know, that's sad. That's sad. He doesn't understand that. And let me tell you what I believe. I believe his mother and father are ashamed of him. I really believe that. There are certain things that he said that they're ashamed of him, but they can't do it now. It's too late. He's already gone and done what he's done already. He's had two big books. What is the mother finally going to say? He's, hey, shut up. You like to eat? You like to play tennis? That's all. So they can't say nothing. <laughs> wow. This is, that was great. It's, it is Pandora's box, but he's saying that stuff. Yes, it's bad. And I don't even know, like, it's, is it a threat if you wish something on somebody? I'm not sure, but it's really indecent and not nice. And I think, you well, know, yeah, what he said was he hopes that the guy gets raped in a men's room and that he bleeds AIDS blood into his children's cereal and that they eat the AIDS blood. Jesus right. Christ. Uh, because, yeah, because uh, Howard's show was not profitable for Chicago, so they canceled the contract. That's the whole yep. reason why he went to this uh, wishing death on the on the guy's children. One other thing, uh, the uh, the uh, that I the, about a good thing about the Vice uh, two-parter. Uh, they're looking at the two thousands. Jackie goes on record as saying he called, or it was Mancow that said it. That Jackie called him personally and said, "Look, that was not me. That was Howard. I'm, I'm not taking any mm, part you know, in this." That's, which that's shows, an which shows that shows character beyond you know, and also Jackie not wanting to associate with that kind of shit. Well, uh, also because you assume Jackie is Howard's writer. Howard's yes. Jackie's feeding him these lines. We're going back to Elliot Gould, everybody. Harry Cole wrote 50 Ways to Rank Your Mother, sung by Howard to the tune of Paul Simon's 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Cole's version gathered a litany of schoolyard put-downs about a sexually promiscuous mother, but Howard tinkered with the opening verse to soften its edge. Cole had written... My friends have all enjoyed your mom, they said to me. She was so generous. She does so much for free. He's Until never heard they it found so. out that she gave them all VD. But Howard changed VD to social disease, even though the line no longer scanned. <laughs> he believed that VD might be too offensive or graphic, Cole recalled. Howard had a sense of limitations, whether he agreed with them or not, and he believed it was important to ensure those limits. You know what I you know what I'm thinking at the time if he like once he got to a certain level of power or a certain level of fame and notoriety then he started to get his big balls to say well fuck it and then realize that the fines are not going to be paid by him they'll be by the radio station if something happens but he yeah, didn't know that at the time so he was worried well, yeah, he lose even... his job and then he screwed Yeah I don't think that the FCC even 
find anybody um, for indecency at this point. I don't think that it was, I think it was a new thing in the eighties, mm-hmm. but this guy who, who in 1981 thought VD was too shocking. 10 years later was wishing AIDS on everyone. I know <laughs> AIDS cancer. And you know, um, he, this goes in line with that narrative that when he was working with Meg at that rock store and he would be worried he didn't branch out from anything but top 10 mm-hmm. you know easy yep. rock shit mm-hmm. and was scared mm-hmm. i think he literally mm-hmm. said scared of the music yep. yep yeah a seven second delay was installed in the radio studio to make certain that no questionable language slipped onto the airwaves but howard's show in washington was more uninhibited for its era than the new york morning program that he later syndicated to cities around the country in the estimation of broadcasters who competed with him in the capital and afterward you know i would really like to know and get a spreadsheet when these these narratives are going on what was the advertising revenue coming in because i guarantee as more revenue in advertising came in because of his show that's when he became more mouthy. <laughs> oh, oh, guarantee. Yeah, you, there's probably like a, a direct correlation. Uh, we played recently. Uh, who was it that I played it with? Um, whoever I recorded with. It wasn't. I don't think it was you, Sam. But we played. We just recently played this, so we're playing it again. <laughs> Hold on. This is the Fifty Ways to Rank Your Mother. Oh, it was the Paul Simon, the Graceland Part Two. We he he interviewed. Uh, Ben, he interviewed uh, Paul Simon recently. It was two and a half hours. Paul went for two piss breaks and had to go beg off on account of getting a COVID shot. And he would have kept them there for 10 hours. <laughs> wow. mm-hmm. and, okay. And, and let me just let, let me just give you an example here. Hold on. Um, uh, I, don't by the way, to, I don't want to slow this up, but go this ahead. This whole, uh, it really is interesting how you could see like the degradation of society along with, because the incentive is, get me advertising. So something that was considered probably indecent to say in 1981, and he was worried about it in saying VD. And he even said, oh, there was a line that was perhaps too offensive. Like he's some moral, he has some moral compass in him. The second mm-hmm. that he's getting money for the radio station, it's go get AIDS, get raped, mm-hmm. get cancer. Mm-hmm. It's just so this, sad. <laughs> this is a clip. This is a clip we call laborious. Uh, ben, just give me just one sec. And uh, I was listening to uh, 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 the, the the two elements <laughs> that uh, that um, that are. <laughs> I just wanted all the dead air, and I was saying that I said to Len, "This is like when uh, Richard did that character, Nervous Mark, and called in the ra- the radio shows." Yeah, I was thinking and, yeah. Gilbert Gottfried doing um, old, old Groucho. Old Groucho is also what we what we got what we got out of it. It's got um, he has a quiver in his voice. Yes, oh, well, yeah. and 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 truthfully, he's like or 80, 81, something like that. So it's not surprising that uh, Paul sounds a little. You know, trolling. Does he want to? Does he want to get the symbol out and start banging on it? <laughs> no kidding. So this is what this is what uh, Howard came up with with that uh, How Weird Stern album, Fifty Ways to Rank oh, Your God. Mother, which later came out. Uh, they re-released it as something called Unclean Beaver, um, mm-hmm. and the art the art was horrendous. I don't know why they thought that was an can improvement. You, can you look at this graphic for a second? Just yeah. everyone, are we going to be able to show this? 
Well, I can I can actually put the Photoshop on to make it look okay. clear. This isn't a very good one, but yeah, go this ahead. doesn't. It almost looks like somebody photoshopped every single piece of this person onto a computer screen. That's how absurd he looks. Yeah, well, I mean everything. Know, they, they airbrushed his thighs there. It looks like thing. Charlie Chaplin's mustache with fucking I don't know. Who wears a wig like that? I don't know. And well, he, he and, looks and, like Weird Al Yankovic. Like Freddie Mercury Weird on Yankovic. the bottom. Well, yeah. <laughs> he looks like it's his impression of Freddie Mercury at the mine shaft. Um, I, and really, like, I don't know what it's supposed to look like, but he's not. I think he's not getting. I'm saying during Pride Week, this would fit in just perfectly. Um, yeah, so, go ahead. Just so Weird Al Yankovic had my baloney in 1979. A couple uh-huh. years before this, doesn't he look like he's doing the S and M version of wow. Weird Al Yankovic right there? So it's basically, Absolutely. I mean, he he's how weird. He's literally using weird. So mm-hmm. um, he, he okay. I, I think he I think he saw himself as the X rated Weird Al Yankovic for the for the '80s. It really yep. is like this combination of oh, I see Soupy Sales and uh, or what's his face um yeah weird al and he's just kind of combining like he's just taking from what mm-hmm. i what he thinks is gonna work and mm-hmm. so he wants to forget this but we're not yeah yeah <laughs> oh, god elliot cole had no idea what 50 ways to my friends have all enjoyed your mom they said to me so generous, she does so much for free. Until they found out that she gave them all social disease. It must be 50 ways to rank your mother. 50 ways to rank your mother. Oh my gosh. He sounds like when he did that. First of all, you could tell he's really trying to sing because we always know he wants to be a rock star. I mean, he keeps trying to be forever. But mm-hmm. didn't he sound like that uh, that George Michael song for a second? That um, I will be your yes, father yeah. I got that sort of. <laughs> he invented it then, because this came before that. I, I will be your father, hunger. <laughs> <laughs> I totally got a George Michael vibe when he did that. Hey, I was like, whoa, that is so trying to be George Michael. Uh, in a lot of he's, ways, he's I trying to. He's trying to claim ownership of mother rankouts by the way that's what yeah. he's referencing right now like the, the caller that we played in the news clip where she goes my granddaughter walks around saying your mammy right. is so ugly i mean that, that's what they were doing on their mother the mother rankouts. yes exactly yeah uh the next one is called my <laughs> my kingdom for a record sorter <laughs> in a business where a small improvement in the ratings is considered successful he inherited a show with a 2.6% share of the morning listening audience and immediately increased it to a 5.2 share in the spring of 1981, then to a 5.6 in the summer. It was clear that he would do even better as the months passed. In addition, advertisers responded to what was happening on the air and in the ratings. Some of them pulled commercials and feared a consumer backlash from the association with him. Other sponsors, impressed by Howard's numbers, were only too eager to tap into his following. I'll stop that there just for a second because that's always been problematic for Howard in in his entire career. And it's even worse now because he's, he doesn't have Squatty Potty. He has ZipRecruiter, every l- low-rent uh, advertiser that you can imagine. Um, and, and But at the time of the... Um, 
the Howard interview show, the one-on-one one he did in the early nineties. The, the problem was he couldn't get, and even during the E show, he couldn't get advertising. So no matter how successful the show was, you were really looking for advertising revenue to drive everything forward. Yeah. They really right. just relied on that. Joe Francis, uh, girls gone wild tapes for like, and that's all you ever saw is the mm. commercials during the E show back in the Joe day. Francis. Yeah. I remember those clearly. Um, yeah. the, Howard now, remember we just, the advertisers he even has, he was reading them wrong. Remember, Fillmore, we just covered that? Yeah. So who would advertise with him? He <laughs> doesn't even say it right. Well, that, this, was, this was key, Ben. It's coming out in a future episode, like in the next week or so, a week and a half. And he starts talking. He's not, I don't think he's doing Steven Singer, but I think it was Steven Singer. Oh, no, sorry, ZipRecruiter. And he yeah. let that, he didn't bother editing it out which is totally possible because he does so much of the show pre-recorded. All the interviews are pre-recorded. So if the interviews are pre-recorded, you, how does anybody know that the, uh, the advertisement is live or not? I know. And that's what they're paying for. Like, remember when they did the total or right. the total wine or what was total it? Wine. And, total and wine they, and more. And they, the commercial wouldn't play for some reason. Cause it was, yeah. I don't know, something fucked up and they had, they could just talk about wine and he goes, I don't know what to say. Gary, you do this. Take it over. And Gary <laughs> couldn't even figure it out. It's about wine. Just say something. Yeah. And uh, so th- th- this is the, the the whole point of this clip, by the way, guys, was to, uh, you know, Fred is back on. He's back on. He's lobbying to get Fred hired over at uh, DC 101. The United States Army came in and gave us very strong rates payments because they knew that young men were listening, said Don Davis, who succeeded Denise Oliver as program director in September 1981. That's interesting. Howard's rapid success in Washington earned him a significant reward. Weeks after Davis joined DC 101, Howard lobbied to add to his show someone who could help with production and lighten his dependence on drop-in assistance from others, including disc jockeys at the station. Howard's choice was his old pal, Fred Norris, with whom he had worked in Hartford. Sam? That's interesting. I never knew that the United States Army came in and gave us strong rates, aka payments, because they knew that young men were listening. That makes sense why Howard was like also too so gung-ho Pentagon, bomb, war, you know, like Mm -hmm. he didn't meet a conflict that he didn't love to promote. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's true, certainly, and and young men was always I mean, army or not army. He was always after the one demographic that he was really cared about, and that's and that was his bread and butter for the longest time. Although I'm sure lots of women were listening in the heyday, uh, they just wouldn't be as vocal about it. That's for sure. But I yeah. just from unclassified reports from like CIA, FBI are saying, especially during that time, Operation Mockingbird was going on, where they would, you know, either be in the news, like at the news desks or, you know, in the studios and actually being the news, or mm-hmm. they would tap on people to pay for coverage, like favored coverage for the military. And so I wonder, you know, that makes sense now to me why he was so yay Iraq. Um, the mm-hmm. next, the next segment in the book is, it says, although general manager Goff Labar, 
uh, argued that the budget was too tight. Howard made it seem that Fred would be his lucky charm, and it was extremely important that he be hired. <laughs> Labar finally gave in. I mean, really, it, it, on on the one hand, I, I agree with, in this situation, what Howard was trying to do, to get someone in there who's paid to be there to do all the extra stuff that was necessary. It really was necessary for him in a lot of ways. And it was, a, it would have made for a better show than, than he was capable of giving at that point. That's for sure. But the idea, it sounded like, you know, it's, I got to hire someone to clean up after me to do all the stuff that I don't really want to do, but it requires mm-hmm. a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, copying is super hard. If you're not original, it's, 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 it's a doubly hard when you don't have that extra, you know, set of hands. The clip we're going to hear, guys, is called We're Off to See the Production Wizard. Uh, Middle of page 74, guys. Fred was not only a production wizard who helped Howard with many of the mechanical chores during the hours the show was on the air, but he brought creative weight to the performance. He played guitar, he had a keen ear for music, and he did voices better than most. (laughs) Really? He traded in an off-center humor which perfectly complemented Howard's own. What's left out, which is key, and I know Ben will have something to say about this, is what they quote Fred as saying. To me, comedy is hostility, Fred later explained to an interviewer. Henny Youngman says, take my wife, please. I say, take my wife, please. And while you're at it, stick a coat hanger up her nose. <laughs> he succeeded a staffer of more limited abilities known as Earth Dog Brett, so Howard dubbed him Earth Dog Fred. Or, uh, sorry, Earth Dog Brent. So Howard dubbed him Earth Dog Fred. The name stuck. Now, hostility. There's no one on the show more hostile than Fred from the get-go. And yeah. part of that is how he's treated by Howard and how he's under, he feels he's underpaid. But he also has this chip on his shoulder like, I'm I'm better than everything. They I'm also, better than I appear. They also both don't like women. Like, yes. Fred was always yeah. extremely hostile to women on the show, especially when that supermodel came in and he was arguing Carol about Alt. that. and. They both like to women bash, I guess. I was just shaking my head at this because Howard or here, Fred takes the shortest punchline in the world, which is the word please. So he's the mm-hmm. setup is take my wife, beat, please. That's the punchline. And you laugh at that because you're expecting him to say, take my wife, for example, she'll do that. But he's just, he says instead, please, it's the shortest punchline in the world. And Fred says it would be a lot funnier if you said, and while you're at it, stick a coat hanger up her nose. Right. It's, That's his idea of genius. It's so stupid. It's just stupid. Yes. It's not edgy. I know he thinks he's being edgy. I'm sure the, the interviewer talking to him gave a courtesy laugh and then thought about it and said, that is the dumbest thing you could say to the simplest, most effective punchline ever written. But again, both of them not understanding the importance of timing in comedy. I mean, they could drive a bit into the ground like it's nobody's business. <laughs> yeah, not not only timing, but not understanding when it's over, that it's done already. That was the punchline. Yeah, it's the punchline. Or not understanding that it's already been done. Do something else. Yeah, right. You know, Ben, would you like to read the second last paragraph? Because I found it extremely funny when I read it. Sure. Fred let loose on the air. Off the air, he was quiet and shy. All who observed him at work recognized that he craved none of the spotlight for himself and never threatened to upstage the star. His loyalty to Howard was unquestioned. I believed, oh no, I believe Fred would do anything for me except let me visit his apartment, Howard said later. (laughs) That part I love because why do you need to visit his apartment, Howard? (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
And first of all, like I was going to, you took it that way. I took it as I don't think Howard wants to socialize with anybody. So, yeah, I mean, let alone. Yeah. At this point, he would, though, like he was yeah. he was desperate to get a foothold uh, or toehold on things. So uh, him spending time with Robin when she came aboard, according to her and her book, yeah, in the you beginning, believe that fairy time, tale. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would if I would rewrite this as I believe Fred would do anything for me except let me visit his apartment. Jackie later wrote for Howard to say, because I don't think that line comes from Howard. That's too much of a setup punchline delivery. J- Howard doesn't think that way. Jackie thinks that way. Uh, the next clip, guys. Oh. Don't you think it's interesting? Either one of you can comment on this too. How Howard, when he talks about Fred, and he always has like hones in on these moments of like interactions with him. You know, he describes him as weird, and that's why they call him Earth Dog Fred. But when they were doing road gigs or whatever, and they would stay, remember that stay at the same apartment, and Fred was weird about changing in front of him and the whole thing. That's something he always brings up with Fred. So what is that? And there, he also also brings up, there's like maybe six or seven interactions with Fred that he constantly brings up as if there are no others. (laughs) I know. And I, it's, I wonder, it's like, almost why it's almost that's... like they're they're chapters in the Bible, and they, everything nothing else <laughs> happened in between. The, the <laughs> yeah. book of you the rainbow room. <laughs> you never went to a uh, like a coffee shop and made him laugh so hard coffee came out of his nose. You never, um, you know, went to visit Howard. Uh, so you never went to visit Allison and Fred when they started dating and and see how they're doing or go go together double date with Allison. You don't talk about that. I mean, I'm exaggerating. I'm sure there are way more. You know. Times where he were he was with Fred, and in the early days, I'm sure they stuck together quite a lot. You know, it really is though, like the Gospel of the Rainbow Room, the Book yeah. of uh, the T- Bachelor Tony and Party. Tina's wedding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Tony and Tina's wedding. Yeah, <laughs> the Gospel according to scores. <laughs> and, and just to double back for a second, he didn't. He wasn't called Earth Dog Fred because he was weird. He was called Earth Dog Fred because the other guy. <laughs> invented the name Earth Dog Brent, and Howard steals it. That's right. Yeah. So now you're Earth Dog. So it's Earth Dog Wilding now on the air. <laughs> that's Wilding. a. I gotta say, if you don't know this whole like mentoring thing that's going on with now Howard's a mentor. You mean grooming? Oh, really? <laughs> Apparently, oh, really? A mentor. Yeah. It's how it's being portrayed now. Well, For yes. Who? For Fred. Wait, wait, oh, you're talking about back no, then. No, for wilding. Meant... I'm talking oh, for about wild... for wilding. Oh, okay, you're, you're specifically talking yes. about wilding. Well, I think yes. he tried to do it with Fred and wanted to do it with Fred back in the day. Yeah, that's... But Fred now... rebuffed, his, he, rebuffed his, he rebuffed his advances, so he was only good as a record cleaner-upper and as a guy who did shitty Nixon impressions <laughs> and Jimmy Carter impressions <laughs> well, based on Dan Aykroyd on SNL. Yeah, and look like a total hack after Billy came on the scene. Oh, um, yeah, but in recent, um, we'll cover this, I'm sure, in the breakdowns. But yeah. it's and it's on the Howard Stern Show website, which I don't know anybody who bothers to click on that piece of shit. But it's been recently kind of framed as like he's being mentored. I don't know why this is now the new angle for Chris Wilding. It was before just to like get, you know, these dalliances with gay men in mm-hmm. on the show mm-hmm. but now it's being portrayed as if he's some sort of student of howard i don't get it 
Well, I know Ben is Ben. Ben would say that Wilding is infinitely more talented than Fred at doing impressions and yeah, coming up with these things. I mean, but that's low. That's you know, like saying, you know, he was managed to step up. On, he managed to stand on a, on a sidewalk because Fred can't even at this point. Sounds, the low bar is I, I very would, low. I would say mentoring is just how we're justifying him having a one-on-one relationship with Chris. Or they were yeah. they talking on the phone or doing more than that? I agree. I, I, I believe that to get ahead in the business, well, in this relatively ahead, you know, he might have sent pictures to Howard or video to Howard to please him because that one of the blinds that came out ages later, and this is going to be some conspiracy conspiracy shit. I'm sure some people are going to throw that in my face, but stranger things have happened and and will happen. Um, that uh, this uh, the blind came out. This uh, A list, A plus list radio host uh, loves webcam boys. And and oh, but he covers his camera. Okay. You know, well, that you know, kind of thing. Howard used to call gay sex lines in the nineties. And course. chat rooms. About yeah, he writes about well that I don't yeah, but he writes yeah, that's true. He did. But he writes about it in, in Miss America. He would call them and he it reiterated in his book, this is not a bit. I'm doing it off the air in my office, calling gay sex lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why he confessed that. I mean, that's a dark book. I don't know yes. why he confessed that there. Um, I think that Ralph is getting older. Yes, I yeah. think Chris Wilding um, has a lot of the same characteristics as Ralph, being not conventionally attractive, uh, very eager. And broken home, broken home he, kind of situation. Yep. And uh, yes. But he's very, he's clearly, when he talks about his relationships or whatever, doesn't have a healthy idea of monogamy or love. So this seems like a person who is perfectly primed for this sort of mentoring. Right. But, but you also know, seems the, also, see, sorry, go ahead, Ben. The, the mentor um, ruse that the predator would normally do to the unsuspecting prey is you know, the, the prey thinks, oh, this is great. This experienced person is going to help me. I'm going to get ahead. There's no need for this. They know what mm-hmm. they both know what's going on. Howard's mm-hmm. attracted to Chris because he's gay. And because and he's younger. Uh, he, he, and younger and de- I mean, you know, he, 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 and, and he's, um, uh, what's, what's the word? promiscuous. Mm-hmm. So, so Howard didn't know all that kind of stuff. There's no need for this men- mentor, uh, facade unless and Howard's I, just saying it to, 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 um, maintain to Beth and whomever that he's got some kind of formal thing going on. I'd like to see Chris go to the next level. You don't want to see anyone go to the next level. Never. You know, and you know, I, I think that having him on the air, giving these stories and constantly asking him about his life on the air is a ruse to kind of drag out and see, is this going to be my next Ralph? Almost like an Mm -hmm. audition. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. Ralph's definitely aging out. And that's that's a problem that, you know, actors and actresses have. You know, they get somehow to the point where they're just not as useful as they were. And so you got to come, you know, off with his head. Give me the next one. Yeah. But I would say in Wilding, he has someone who's ready and willing, who doesn't need to be groomed, who's no, who who doesn't need to be primed. He's ready to go. Yep. yep. The next one is called God Damn It, Elliot. Stick to the script. One of their bits together was Dueling Rooney's, a ridiculous spoof of Andy Rooney between Fred's guitar riffs from the hit instrumental Dueling Banjos. The two of them alternately parodied the 60 Minutes curmudgeon. Do you ever wonder about fish? Fred whined. They swim in the same water they go to the bathroom and make love in. 
and you swim in it too. Incidentally, Fred ripped this idea off from Vietnamese, uh, Vietnam era Zippo lighters engraved and given to the troops. And they quote, the actual quote is, uh, water, never touch the stuff. Fish fucking it, you know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's How did you know that? <laughs> because I've been to Vietnam many times and I've seen them for sale. Actual vintage Zippo lighters from GIs that are slightly rusting, obviously oxidization and stuff. And they're and they're they're not they're not knockoffs. I know the difference. And uh, I I toyed with that when I still smoked. I would have bought like a bunch of them. They would have been good like souvenirs and whatnot. Sometimes I'm so jealous. You live in like a more historical place in the world to get to. A- go and look at all these things. Like when you were showing me pictures of Vietnam, I'm like, Jesus, this is so amazing. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. Well, living in this part of the world, our, like our Hawaii or not Hawaii, Hawaii is expensive. Our Caribbean would be Southeast. There's all kinds of countries that would be our version of going to St. Martin or St. Luke. Sorry, sorry. uh, St. Martin's or St. Kitts or St. Martin, Santo Domingo, you know, all these places. Um, Because uh, it's just, proximity cuba cuba is a huge destination for vacationers in the states especially if you're from florida um but uh it's 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 a lot easier it's easier for us to go here than to go to hawaii fuck um but uh i will tell you that uh so there's that bit and it's going to keep going and now the rest of the clip this is where it gets funny because there's a little that's left out and uh the the last part of it is the funniest part howard you know i got to thinking the other day The only article of clothing you can wear two days in a row is your watch. Fred, did doctors go to school to become doctors so they never have to buy dirty magazines or go to porno movies? Howard, you know, I call operators in other cities just to hear different accents. Again, not in the book. You know, he could be doing it in an an Andy Rooney fashion here. Yeah. That's missing from this. You know, you you forget he's doing it as Andy Rooney. Not to mention Van Joes. I know. I was picturing <laughs> him saying to the recording engineer, uh, I don't say banjos. You say banjos. Right. I say banjos. I thought yeah. that was interesting because Howard is notorious for always putting the emphasis on a word that it doesn't belong there. Like, <laughs> yeah. all the time. In Just like banjos. This- in, he, well, yeah, he 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 absolutely screws up. Uh, he's still screwing up names. Names especially are my favorite. What was the one? French um, fries. Well, yeah, Chef Boyardee. French, French fries. Um, yeah, Chef Boyardee. The other one was um, it was it was a Cara 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 a young actress, right? And she's probably thirty one now. And he called her Cara Devenu. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's completely wrong. We were just going over. Remember, uh, I sent it to you the one morning with Mia in the car, and he kept saying yeah. it that way. What was he yes. saying? Uh, I don't recall, but it was. Oh it was, fuck! He kept saying it over and over with the emphasis on the wrong part of the word. Right. And her Mia goes, "What is he? Why is he saying it like that?" I go, "I don't know." You know, there's. It, I think maybe Will Ferrell got that for his character on SNL when they do the lovers, the lovers sketch with uh, Rachel Dratch, and he'd say, "Please join us in the hot tub." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Hernandez is is here. Mm. <laughs> she is Son's lover. Uh, okay, so then there's next a bit. It says sometimes the plot lines for the Beaver breaks were hatched on weekends when Howard Fred and Steve Chaconis of the Think Tank sat around watching television, including reruns of Leave It to Beaver. They turned off the sound and inser- inserted their own warped dialogue, putting the collaboration on paper afterwards. So here's the next one: smashing down the door of the closet stern. 
Among the recurring features that involved Fred were beaver breaks, demented episodes in the life of the Cleaver family known to TV audiences from Leave it to Beaver, which was popular during Howard's childhood. In one of the stern installments, Ward Cleaver, the understanding father in the innocent family sitcom, was portrayed as a raging transvestite. <laughs> Is it surprising? <laughs> okay. Uh, the next one is, why did it have to be gay dial-a-date first, Howard? Because the, the, the bottom of uh, page 75 from Howard's success, uh, paragraph number three, I'd say, it, it's completely gone. Um, if you guys, guys want to read it, we can. No, I was just, uh, you know, I just looked up when Leave it to Beaver went off the air. It was 1963. This is 1982 we're talking Jesus. about. So a show that's yeah. been off the air for almost 20 years, plus the I Love Lucy things that they were doing. At yeah. least if they did that in real life anyway. I don't know. They did it in the movie. Um, I think it's kind of like Leave it to Beaver and Lucy, I think, are one of those American icons that you can always make a reference to. You know? Yeah, it's sure. true. It's true, but um, it's not exactly timely. No. If you want timely, I did stand up this last weekend and there was like, I don't oh, know, really? five, a, ha a handful of 25 and under like 25 year olds. And like, Good luck less, with that. Like <laughs> I, 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 when I mentioned the Dewey decimal system as a point of reference, they looked at me like I was wearing a civil war uniform. Of mm, course they mm -hmm, did. I'm like mm -hmm. the last generation. Ben, how old are you? I'm 37. 47. Oh, 47. really? I'm 48, but I mean, you know, this, you know, it's like I remember when Norm Macdonald had a caller called in and said, "You always make references to, you know, like, uh, to, you know, to older movie stars. You're not that current, like Mamie Van Doren or something like that." Mm -hmm. And he goes, "He goes, that's too old. Get something new." He goes, "Well, sir, have you ever, have you ever heard of the Civil War? <laughs> have you ever heard, <laughs> you know, have you ever heard of the Titanic?" <laughs> it is interesting. They teach about. The Dewey Decimal System at school still like to say this is what and how we used to do things mm -hmm. like as a and my daughter was like, did you actually like do that with like the cards? And I was like, yeah, that's yeah, there was no Internet. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite library stories, I'll never forget this 13 year old, unassuming chubby kid comes up to the desk and he's got three or four books with him. One of them is called the magic of sex. And it it's like, a, it's like the joy of sex, but with real, uh, faded pictures of real couples with their faces, you know, l looking just mm. so, so you couldn't see who they were anonymous mm -hmm. in sexual positions, like Kama Sutra type positions, but real photos. And mm. it didn't last long in the library anyway, but he brought that up. He brought the joy of sex. And then the Playboy, the Playboy guide to making mixed drinks, because he clearly looked up Playboy and thought that was going to be like had sex and stuff. And he's a thirteen-year-old kid. And then I looked at him and I go, "Are you looking to mix martinis in your free time?" And he just I, got I, a sheepish I, goes, uh, "No." <laughs> he, he ran out. I don't know if you guys remember though. Like, I if you guys did this, but I always found it interesting when you got a book out of the library and looked at the card and you had to sign your name. I always mm -hmm. used to like to see who else got the book. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I always liked that. Um, the uh, okay, so the one of the one of the key paragraphs on page seventy five. One of the biggest battles I ever had with Howard was over the number of records per hour that he played. Davis uh, said, "This is uh, Don. I think Don Davis. Uh, yeah, yeah. Program Don director Davis. Don Davis. Programmed. He he succeeded Denise Oliver as program director in September. So 81. Denise, who Denise, who brought Howard and Robin together, didn't stay with them for for very long. No, 
No, she didn't. Uh, she pro- she probably was sent to other radio stations to sort out their personnel problems, right. and, and it was more of a fixer than anything else at that point. Um, it said he wanted to do shtick more and more of the time. I had to remind him that it was still a rock station, <laughs> so the guy that wants to get into the <laughs> rock and roll hall of fame <laughs> can he's not he couldn't get rid of rock or any music fast enough. Looking back, I realize it was silly of me. We management were reacting to our upbringing in the business. Now he wasn't being silly; he was being practical at that time. Uh, you you went with what worked not with what was still up in the air yeah um this is funny howard had to air songs by bruce springsteen pat benatar squeeze and other artists of the moment but he played around with this requisite too i love van halen he said one day good band he opened the (laughs) phone lines to listeners who had seen the group in concert the night before did you see van halen he asked one man who was making no sense then why are you calling you creep clunk By the way, I uh, found the word that he said. It was cashews. He said cashews. Cashews? What? Cashews. Cashews. Cash- that was it. Cashews. I don't even know how you get make that one I wrong. I recorded it, it that, for you. Is that him trying to be funny? No. He literally was saying cashews. Like when he says pish? Hmm. Cashews. And he said it multiple times. And we were, me and I were both looking at each other in the car. And I go, why does he keep saying that? And so I recorded it and I sent it to Fillmore. <laughs> Uh, next clip is called, Why Did It Have to Be Gay Dial-A-Date First, Howard? I remember Gay Dial-A-Date, but I was a little bit of a part of the evolution of Gay Dial-A-Date. When Howard came up uh, with it, and, and was, again, we were discussing what he was going to do the next day. I don't know if it was on a grid. It probably was, if he says so. But we were discussing what we were planning for the show, and he said, I want to do Gay Dial-A-Date. You know, I'll have a guy on, and he'll be looking for another guy. I said, hmm, that sounds really entertaining. But I think that the general manager is going to go nuts if you do that. He said, what if you do lesbian dial-a-date? Because, you know, most guys are not threatened by lesbians. So he did lesbian dial-a-date. Worked great. Okay. And that was Denise Oliver, of course. Um, yeah. The next one is and, ties uh, Just into before that. we go on, I would, sure. I would count this among the things that defined Howard's career that he had nothing to do with and, in fact, fought against. That mm-hmm. is playing reruns of his show, which he was adamantly against. And now that's, that's his whole livelihood is the reruns. That's oh, what yeah. they're paying for. Yep. The, uh, the, the cameras in the studio for at uh, WXRK, which he did not want to have done. And that became the E show, which became the biggest thing. And he wanted to have gay guys. He thought for some reason, his young audience of men, army aged men would want to hear gay men dating. And she said, why don't you do lesbians? And then he became known as the guy who loves lesbians. He has no interest in lesbians. He he was just wanting to cash in on gay stuff. I mean, he desperately wanted gay men in his studio. Um, well, as as evident and personified, when you look at all the artwork in Miss America, which makes gay women or like lesbian look almost cartoonish, and yep. him pretending and feigning to be enjoying this with his puckered lips yeah. and his weird trans looking makeup and fetishistic bullshit but you're right he all it was always wanting to go into gay but he couldn't get there Mm -hmm. until Mm -hmm. society that way he wanted to go yeah and i i I say for the longest time you can look at 2013 as the year where he said no longer pretending to be heterosexual and that was Mm -hmm. because there was no more uh already was gone long power tv no no it was because howard tv ended so yep. there was no more prospects of getting 
getting more money from, you know, pretending to be heterosexual because your contract is locked in. <laughs> that's it. You know, you're not going to get any more bonus money, nothing, no subscriber bonuses, nothing. So that's when he just dropped it there. I, I mean, I, you can look at 2013 was the last year he had nudity because for women, not for men, for women, because there were no cameras there anymore for, for the Howard TV. So the nudity continued. It's just that it was the nudity Howard was interested in, which was gay men. I think that if, if the gay angle originally got approved instead of lesbian dial date, gay dial date or whatever, he would have been a hop, skip and a jump away from Cocktober, like the following. Oh, yeah. Year. Like he's been you... wanting that forever. And so yeah, when 100%. that ruse got dropped, like you said, it just got gayer. Yeah. Then, I mean, the male nude male chorus. They didn't mm-hmm. throw it out the window. They strapped a rocket to it and sent it into the fucking Potomac. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Seriously. there's just no, yeah. I mean, what does Telly Savalas have to say about this? Uh, there's something gay about Howard. Uh... <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? Is that I true? It, I, 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 no, I got, I took some, uh, I made a bunch of AI clips and. Uh, oh, and, okay, okay. And uh, that was, that was, you know, I mean, Telly's got a few things to say. Who the fuck is listening to this shit? <laughs> so, so either way, um, so the next one connected uh, directly to it. If it's lesbian dial a date, why does he still call it gay? So we want to, uh, I guess, um, I guess you want someone around your old, your own age who has, uh, who is definitely sure that they're gay. I mean, they've been involved in gay experiences and, and it's what the is gay way voice? of life. And he sounds positively, he sounds positively giddy. It, it, do you know what this voice sounds like when you're sounds drunk? He sounds so excited and overly excited when you're trying to tell a story and you you just can't wait to get it out. And you're just like, oh, you're just very, <laughs> it's amazing. He sounds like when Martin Short did uh, Ed Grimley as the kid who couldn't wait for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And he's popping around his bedroom, just like <laughs> unable to sleep. <laughs> um, and we'll have you call up at four three two one one zero one, and we will do a, a gay dial a day. We'll see how it works out, and I will chaperone the date. This is not a sex dial a day. There's not going to be two women lunging all over each other in lewd and lascivious acts. Oh my god! Because he would throw what? up if he saw a vagina against another vagina. No kidding. <laughs> but I guess he, I guess he was already going to be chaperoning when he thought it was going to be gay men dial a day, and she said, "No, make it lesbians." And he's like, oh, God. All right, no kissing, no touching, no hugging. He wasn't going to make on. that rule if it was men. That's a, that's a great point because if it was going to be gay dial-a-date, it would look like the Goo Goo Dolls dance party times 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Give me, give me a moment. I'm going to find the, uh, the exact quote he says in the Playboy magazine because I have, I have that on my Kindle. And do you sec. notice the only gay or the only woman he ever really wanted to fondle fondle was tr- was Tula, Tula, the transsexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody no, else the is only just woman, like, sh- show me your marks woman who he said, who he said, you can actually touch me. Yes. And, uh, allowed, yeah. Before yes. it was all because for some at, like, reason he believes it's a, it's allowed if, if it's a man touching you. That's very revealing, too, about his ideas about sexuality. Uh, he said, there's a couple quotes that I found interesting. He says, I'm not interested in seeing guys getting blowjobs. It's almost like homosexual to watch that. I don't enjoy seeing a guy's cock in a porno film. I don't mind watching a girl get fucked, but I don't want to see some guy getting a blowjob. It really turns me off. My theory is that most porno films are made by homosexuals. They concentrate on so much cock. Only a gay male would make these films. That is the most nonsensical thing I've ever heard in my life. Most guys who watch porn 
are using the the male actor as a proxy like that's them you that's you you're the one you know but he he, i think this is him overreaching and trying desperately to make it seem like he's super heterosexual this is how heterosexual this is not how a heterosexual guy would think also how he thinks heterosexual guy would think that's right that's exactly right. I think it, it, he, 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 sorry, if I could just say, he thinks that the more. ultimate in heterosexuality is watching two women because you're so straight. You don't even want to see a guy. That's right. So right. he thinks the ultimate heterosexuality is engaging in homosexuality. Right. And he if also one pussy thinks, is good, two is better. Right. Right. And he also but thinks. don't show them up close because that disgusts him as they no. have heterosexual. Like when he had to shave and almost shave. barfed on one. Um <laughs> There, it's true. He did. He couldn't take yeah. it. the The shaving cream was going there, and he almost lost it. Um, he said, "I think I'm going to throw up." That was a quote. He had to walk up and get out of there. Uh, yeah. Also, the only women porn that he ever got turned on by that he kept recommending was torture porn for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was yeah. men torturing Clamping. women. Yeah. And the the next quote, and I know Ben's used this before and said, uh, what turns you, the question is, what turns you on most about women? I am so turned on by women. I mean, <laughs> I am just so fucking in love with women. Mostly I'm a vagina man. You know, some guys are leg guys. Some guys are butt guys. I love the vagina. Why? It feels incredible. I can't stay in a vagina more than 15 seconds before I come. It's terrible. Nobody nobody in my uh in my in my life would say that no i've never known any guy you're either ass or tits like ass and legs or tits that really or you know face eyes whatever you know i get it no one says the vagina <laughs> like no. that's a that's no. a deal breaker and, and if he is truly bad. that if he truly is that why is he repulsed by the sight of it in in, in porno movies he would say yeah. i don't want to see close-ups of that right and uh he won't even I, I hate to even describe this because I always find this found this so revealing <laughs> that when he's behind Beth, he won't even look down because he's so <laughs> disgusted by the sight. He doesn't even want to acknowledge she has an asshole. Exactly. Yeah, he claimed, he claims Where... she doesn't have one. <laughs> he's yeah, never exactly, seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Magical thinking says there is none there. And, right. and that's ideal to him. But yeah, this, th- yeah, it's, um, it's always too when he talks about vagina, if that's what he really loved the most, which I've never heard anybody in my life say before. The sexiest no. thing about a woman is their vagina. That's so <clears throat> ridiculous. More to Benjamin's point about this is what he thinks a straight heterosexual right. male would say. But anytime he talks about vagina, it's always stinky pussy, smelly yes, pussy, exactly. odorous, disgusting sewer rat pussy <laughs> yes <laughs> yes you're describing uh, it better than he he could yeah but you know what's funny is he obviously says vagina thinking that that's going to be the per that the person is going to be like oh i can't believe you said that and be and, and be flustered and move on because the idea is to be abrasive and, and and so you you know you're saving yourself by like making this big show and so they have to be the one to change the subject but they he didn't expect the follow-up question because he's talking to playboy oh really what do you love and he's like uh, uh. i love to come <laughs> I mean, it's he. He was like one step short of saying like, "Oh, because uh, heterosexual men like them because men don't uh, men don't have them." You know, like he's he's panicking to come up with why he likes them so much. That's a bad answer for so. If this is your theori- favorite thing. 
Go ahead. Theoretically, if he was good to go to a singles bar, he would never walk away with a woman because he'd never be able to see the vagina on display the way everything yes. else would be. He'd be <laughs> right. It's not like he's going to go check out the pussy on that one. Right. Unless right. it was a nudist and, bar. And if this is truly what he loves, why does he love, why does he love trans people the most? Because they and don't have that. Here's a great thing. When he did talk about like when he was like hot for a girl or thought of music video was hot. It was Christina Aguilera in leather chaps, like a gay man would wear in like porn. <laughs> also a woman that's super thin, that has to be super thin. That doesn't actually yes. have curves. Essentially. That's what turns speaking of on. gay. Speaking of gay porn. I remember Howard having talking about fashion, how he will not wear button fly jeans. And yes, I remember uh, that. And he said because he watched a, a gay porn where the guy wore button fly jeans. And so he always associates that with gay stuff. Oh, my it's God. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. It's, Why I mean, is he where, watching that, a gay porn? Yeah, well, research, he loves it. you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's, mas he's a master. How's he going to speak to Chris, to Chris Wilding and mentor him if he doesn't you know keep up to date with gay porn? Yeah, that's true. Uh, we'll play the rest of it here. No, that's not what's going to happen, you jerk. There's one guy out there who thinks that's what's going to happen. Just one guy. He, he knows who he is, and I'm talking to him. I am going to chaperone it. All we're going to do is go out and be friends. Some people are animals. Some people disgust me. They can't give anybody a chance. They, they're not open to new ideas. Dyke, butch, fairy, queer. <laughs> Faggot. We've all heard these words. We've all heard them. They're no, they're no news to us. If you're in the straight community, you've probably joked with those words. But if in you're gay, they're prob those words probably hurt a lot, don't they, Miss X? Yeah, they really do. It's upsetting to hear those, and you hear them a lot, don't you? Yeah. Well, we're doing gay dial a day to sort of maybe uh, say, hey, let's not be insane to gay people. I'm I'm all for uh, letting you have your your hour on the radio to do the gay dial a date. And we have three women on the phone who are uh, all 18 years of age and over. You would like to play gay dial a date, is that correct? This, first of all, it's a combination of contempt that he can't do the real show that he wants, which is men dial a date, mm -hmm. gay mm -hmm. men dial a date. And he lobbed those words out, the initial, you know, slurs for lesbians, so enunciated <laughs> so <laughs> i that's a good drop like, clip film bar you should clip that yes, oh, yeah, I, 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 yeah that's hence this. why I, why i got it <laughs> for okay. a theme yeah future theme. it's yeah. like when he we had public enemy on and he couldn't wait to say the n-word with the hard er that's exactly that's exactly what it's like it's um you know when megan trainer was on Mm -hmm. From about 40 different angles, he had to come out and say, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat. And like, it, it, he had to. It, it, I think he's got Tourette's in a little bit or he's autistic in a little bit where it's like, I have to point this out to them. And uh, in this case, normally nowadays he would say that's not he would pass it off to one of his puppets would be saying those words. That's not me saying those words. That's me as Ronnie saying those words. You right. know, that's that's Ronnie yelling out those words, not me. But he wasn't smart enough to think of that at this point. But yeah, he it's exactly like now I have a I can say these words. You know what it's like <clears throat> back in the when um they used to do like the and I think it was in the 50s, 60s, these to get around these codes for movies, they would do these really violent or really um 
vulgar or whatever movies, but then the person would pay by being punished at the end by the police or, you know, being apprehended or whatever. And the idea is uh, we're, we're showing that bad behavior and that it leads to punishment, that it's the wrong mm-hmm. way to do it. But really, you're doing it gratuitously. And that's what he's doing, too. It's like, you know, you say these words and then say those are the wrong things to say. Right. Yep. But right. It, but I do still want to say them. Yes. The, um, the, 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 it reminded me of, um, God, what was it? Uh, God, it was something related to now. I just, it was in my mind and now I've forgotten all about it, but it, it was, uh, that, you know, you know, it was that, um, two things. First off the, the one that I can remember offhand when Howard and Allison played that newlywed game, but they, and I believe they did call it that. And he does that thing where he, he, he dashed, uh, Stern, well, it was called the sternly wedded game. I think it was like so stupid. Sternly right. red game. Not even doesn't even fuck. It doesn't even sound phonetically no. right, you know, or funny. But what else is new? And then he, they, what would you, what would, would sexual act you would want your partner to do for you that you haven't done yet or whatever? He says he starts stammering. Goes, um, so the 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 hand with um with um the butt. Mm-hmm. And he's always right. had, he's always had, and that d- dovetails into <laughs> the story he told well, once again about massage masseuses. Uh, who, you know, by the end of the session, the housewife wants a finger right up her ass. Well, you know, the funny thing is, so the, I believe it was John or who, somebody else was on that. And they all, I think the answer was like anal sex was, they all wanted this. Right. Yeah. Howard says, yeah, same thing, same thing. But no, you wanted her to put her finger up your butt. That's not Mm -hmm. what those men were talking about when they said anal sex. So, yep. uh, yeah, so he tried to be one of the guys by saying, yeah, same thing. Same thing is what, you know, no need to read the card, Allison. No need to flip um, it over. Fillmore, when you talked about the massage and the, I, what clip were we listening to when we were listening to this? Was this recent or from before? Because we just did that one show where he was describing that he knew a guy, of course, he knew a guy. Yep. And yeah. it was... Uh, and his wife and all the house frows or whatever would go to this one massage parlor right. just to get a, and he said a fist up the ass, I think it no, was. No, no, it was finger. It was finger. Fingers or yeah. something. But the way knuckle he was talking. Knuckle deep. That was it. <laughs> and he said that they all went there for it. They love it. They love it. And it, Fillmore and I took a beat and just said to ourselves, he's not talking about women. There's no, no way a woman this is, is going to be is- happy when they go to a massage therapist. Of course not. That's like a Camp Wellmet fantasy. They're the like, oh, yes. 12 year olds getting together. Do you know what they do at the camp over there? I said, I said they would be walking out of the massage parlor with what bloody towels? Yes. Yeah. Knuckle well, deep. Uh, uh, Bob's Bob tells <laughs> right. a story. Well, we we just covered a Jay Jay Thomas appearance, which was one of his best. He's always good, but that particular one, he was fantastic. And he brought up, oh, I brought up that story to Bob. Uh, who, 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 you know, Chicago Bob. And he, he said, I've got a friend who's like half, you know, he's biracial and every chick wants to date. Like he's just a very humble guy, but he's, he, he's very good looking and he's a massage therapist. And he goes, I can guarantee now, and I'll ask him, he's never had that situation where someone asked for that. That is some gay fantasy or something he would like happen to him that he's projecting onto the profession. Even Robin was like, what? Yes. Yeah. 
Either either he he's or he's hearing something. It's a story that Ralph told him from some dirt bag. Like when we're talking massage parlor, it's probably some place in Koreatown in New York, uh, or a Viet, little Vietnam or little Hanoi or something where you know you want service or some shit like that. And then, like you know, but that would be a Ralph story because he's that dirt bag. Yeah. Do you remember a few years ago um, when Howard claimed that he went to a uh, what was it a fair? Community, uh, uh, like a, yes. not a state fair, but a fair where he went into one of the tents and they got to watch a couple have sex on stage at the tent. Yep. And okay. Richard was like, what? I've never seen something like that. And he explained how, yeah, it was back when I was at camp and I went with a couple of uh, these black guys who were also at camp. And I'm going, red flag, red flag. You went to an all Jewish camp. What black guys are you talking about? And then oh, he yeah. goes, uh, yeah, and they were from Dade County. They always pointed it out. And I go, why would they leave Miami and come up to, to, to New York to go to a Jewish summer camp? And then I went and found out the town that he was talking about. It was like a yeah. four-hour drive from wherever yep. this camp was. Yep. Uh, obviously, it didn't happen. And, second, and obviously, there was no live sex act at one of these carnivals that comes to town. But, uh, yeah, he he ha- he's sometimes gets stuck in this um, gathered around the, ca- the, the camp, uh, the, the tent at camp well met and t- telling these uh, ridiculous stories about what goes on uh that adults do and you know we're adults and go that doesn't happen what are you talking I, about but again just like you said it's the idea of what he thinks goes on because he's so disconnected right. from humanity altogether especially yep. straight men humanity so it's like <laughs> this yeah. just sounds so absurd but he thinks he's selling it which is even more hilarious Guys, the aforementioned the aforementioned clip on the sternly wed game or whatever is right here. I have just the segment where he answers it thumpering. I want to put um, a similar answer, Rob, in my uh, use my uh, use my hand, however. Use your hand on uh, with uh, the, with the butt. Okay. Like what the fuck That's does his... that even mean? Okay, yeah. So the other guys want to have anal sex with their wife, and he's saying it's a similar answer in that I want to use my hand. Uh, with the butt, your same hand? thing. First of all, you don't want to, you want her to use her hand. He writes about this in private parts. It yes. bothered him so much that she wouldn't do it that he had to yep. do it to himself in the shower. Now, it would be one thing if this were an actual straight person saying this with like a kink or like your wife or like whatever, just like a throw it out there thing. But this is his number one thing, mm-hmm. and he's nervous about saying it. And then you also have to include the rest of the weird sexual kinks he has. And you just, yeah. there's no other conclusion you can come up with. Right. Because We're if it was just anal sex, if it was just anal sex, he would have said same as the other guys. Same thing. That's right. It. Right. Well, we're supposed to believe that this man who, um, all he wanted was to put his, uh, put his hand up Allison's butt. Won't even look at Beth's. I, this is the guy who can't even look down, refuses because he's so disgusted. But that's right. all he wanted? But uh, it's not only that. It's he said he wanted fingers up the butt in one of the books, right? He says in private parts that he wanted her to do it to him. He Correct. begs her to do it. Yeah. So he begs her to want to put fingers up the butt. But yet he doesn't even want to acknowledge his now wife shits, has an asshole. Yeah. Right. Not even a shit. He makes it seem like it's a couch pillow. 
<laughs> yeah. And it, doesn't she still covers herself when she enters or leaves the room so that he can't right. see it if they're when they're having sex? The right. other interesting thing, when she always walks through the door and he's like, oh, look at Beth. She's so beautiful or so something. He always comments on her T-shirt about what yeah. she's wearing. It's never, yeah. look at how beautiful sexy you are he's never like look at that vagina or look at that <laughs> ass it's it's look yeah. at that t-shirt is that the cat t-shirt oh is that the rolling stones t-shirt he's never actually looking at the womanly figure or whatever mm. goddamn thing is mm. in front of him um guys that's about it for this one we hope you've uh, enjoyed it thanks ben for showing up for this one and um, yeah. and making it so, so you're adding your usual magic to the show we always appreciate having you in and we're going to have you hopefully in for some other things that are um uh, not colford related uh, i'm going to talk to you a little bit about some possible angles and um and we can do it uh, when it's convenient for you and sam obviously thank you my dear thank you so much um ben come on where yeah. i miss you <laughs> well i'm glad to hear that and uh if it's not current events, then I can discuss it. Even if it is, because I tell you, I cut up 95 clips for the Paul Simon interview, 95. And Len, who, who wow. lives, he lives in, he's from Ireland, actually, he's great. I'll play you some audio of him. You'd let, you'd really enjoy his, uh, his, his takes. Um, and I told him, don't listen to the interview. I'll play the clips and you just react because that's okay. the best way. Yeah. That's uh, Fillmore's we, we, favorite way to nail me into like a laughter hysteria. He's like, don't listen to anything and <laughs> I'm just gonna see how you do. Hey, you know what? That picture of Diana DeGarmo and you was good. You can't see the rifle someone has on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. They're out of the frame, huh? <laughs> good framing. <laughs> All right, Eric. Uh, we'll let the record note that you, in fact, are not stalking Diana DeGarmo. We got it. <laughs>